Hello and welcome back to another Tough Rugby podcast. I'm pleased to announce we've got the two usuals in the studio, Zachary Hutchinson. How are you, Sam? Doing well, mate. Doing well. I'm running on um, one and a half hours sleep because I stayed up watching the election um, and literally nothing happened. It's all kind of kicking off now. So, But, you know, I'm alive. I'm well. And I'm also pleased to announce we've got the pumpkin picker back. Hopefully you got, hopefully <laughs> no. got, hopefully got a big pumpkin. All right, and it's good to have you back. And I'm sure you're looking forward to chatting about about England and how they, how they get on when in the Six Nations and stuff. So I'm excited to have a, a good debate with you, lads. Good to have you back. Thanks for thanks for having me back after that. I'll be honest. Apologies, guys. I've got to apologise to the audience and everyone. Yeah, sometimes uh, life gets in the way. I guess you can say. But we'll move on anyway. We'll move on. We're back on it. We're back on it. But um, one thing you didn't miss, Harvey, was the rugby at the weekend. You, you sat with me, you watched it all. Um, I guess, you know, it's just one of them where, you know, in terms of how it went, it was probably as it was expected to go. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was a, it was an interesting, I think we, well, I, I think most people have predicted we would have been, we would have looked a little bit more convincing against Italy. Um result in the end wasn't actually atrocious but obviously I think most people were expecting a little bit more out of us and then the Ireland France game was actually a little bit more open than I thought it was going to be but I suppose you had a lot of a uh, I suppose you had a lot to uh, go out there and play for both of you so it was always going to work that way and then obviously kudos to Scotland as well always nice to see them get a win I guess we'll, we'll sp- yeah. better start with the Scotland game um did you watch it Zach or did you give that one a miss I did I did, no, I did. you know I was like here Fancy we watching a bit of fun wrestle back. Um and like to to be fair to Scotland, like they looked they look good. Um Wales look like a team that need to need to kind of rediscover themselves. Um like they were you you have they have the typical, you know, strong defensive line guards kind of drilled into them, you know, painfully for many years. But just, yeah, like, just fair play to Scotland. You know, they just kept adapting to the game. Finn Russell obviously going off injured. Adam Hastings coming on. Adam Hastings getting injured. Like, it's just the, the ability to adapt. Um, also, six and seven, you know, Watson and Ritchie, like, serious lion shout out for the performance they put in. Very, very impressed. New Kamikaze um, twins, eh? Yeah, honestly, like, it was it was decent. Now, my, one, my one thing, right, is this. It's the first win in Wales in 18 years. I get that. But you're playing at the Scarlets in an empty stadium. Fair enough, it's really bad weather conditions out there. But, like, if you play in the Millennium Stadium and people are, like, you know, seething for your blood, like, it's a bit different, isn't it? It's a bit different, but you got to take it. And then I know Arsenal you do, beat, you do, you Arsenal do. won at Old Trafford for the first time in 14 years. You got to end those kind of serious 14 years. You got to end those droughts dear, bef- dear, dear. before they. But that was at Old Trafford. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like this isn't the Millennium Stadium. It's not, you know, X amount of thousands of Welsh fans just screaming their national anthem, which is by far the best out of the involved nations, in my humble opinion. Um, but at the same time, you know, fair play to Gregor Townsend. Out of out of the Six Nations weekend, I think Scotland is the only team that actually uh, Scotland and France are the only teams that actually look like they have a decent future. Big big statement. 
Scotland well, just um, did the, they did the classic though, didn't they? They just turn it on when it doesn't matter anymore. Yep. Um, <laughs> and it's like it's kind of hard to judge, isn't it? Because it's so weird how sport is. Like I know sport is quick and changes a lot, but how do Wales go from <laughs> <laughs> where they've come from to like how? I, I, I can explain that one to you if you want to get on it. Wales have let go of Gatland, who's been there for, what's the figure on it, Zach? Must be a decade, if not yeah, in around it. it. Was, it was, he, he was around in 2008 with a Grand Slam, wasn't he? So maybe more. So it's, basic, it's basically like an Arsene Wenger, um, Fergie. Alex Ferguson, yeah. When they leave, it takes a while to rebuild things because you're so used to him being in front the culture that he has the way he plays he's he just had so many different cycles he had so many different world cups and did very well in them two semi-finals both by a kick he could have won well drew one and won one but I feel Wales are just going to take time now. You don't just get a new coach and go to the top. Same with Ireland. You don't just get a new coach and go to the, right. you don't go to the top. And I feel that's the reason. Obviously, the team is exactly the same, but I just feel the Gatland effect is different. And you can see it with Gatland going over to New Zealand and not winning in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Him as well. He'll struggle now because you just get so used to it. Like, it's literally family. You leave, that's it, you leave a vacuum. You know, I just think, I, I know, I, I agree with you, but then I'm also going to play devil's advocate and just say, how do you go from, like, yeah, obviously the coach is a huge part of it, but like you said, the team's the same. How do you go from, what, where did they finish it in? Fifth? Wherever it was? How do you yeah, go from Grand Slam to last, that? Like... Yeah, it is last, because, like, Italy don't count, so. Yeah, yeah. should be Georgia. I'm yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Spain, stick them in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like I agree with you, though, but obviously, yeah. I think Wales, like Wales, just need to be very careful because Wales are in the process of doing an Ireland. You know, fair like shout out to Alwyn Jones, respect the most capped international player in rugby history, rugby union history. Respect to you, mate. But time to go. You know what I mean? You're uh, he's got twenty left in him. He, to be fair, it is a thing. I actually think you'll start the Lions, like, but. You just need to be careful because there's big figures in that team who are getting older. You know, Jonathan Davis isn't young anymore. Lee Halfpenny isn't young anymore. Alwyn Jones. You've you've hit the nail on the head there, Zach. They are entering that era of they're, they're entering the, the 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 Joe Smith decline. The decline is where they're and it's scary for a Welsh fan and to top that off, Osprey's lost against Zebra, Scarlet's lost against Edinburgh, and Ulster beat Cardiff Blues. And also the Dragons lost against Monster. So Wales and the four pr- yeah. provisional teams all lost, Not which is great. too fair. Welsh, like Welsh, Welsh, Welsh rugby had the worst weekend not. ever. Like it's, it's, not, it's not good, especially in terms of like just the money and the development of the game and the kind of Welsh region. There's a lot of chat of like 20 million pound loan being split. Um, honestly, I don't know how the Dragons survive. Like, um, maybe it's because they get like Newport County just to like pay all the money for this stadium. But me and Harvey have fascinating chats about sport being cycles, and I'm the type of person that I see Sexton on 92 caps, I want him to get to 100. Whereas Harvey's complete opposite, he says, The minute a player reaches the top and then starts to decline, just get rid, like you have to be cut through, even if they have had 105 caps or whatever. 
I still stand by the fact it's hard that to do. I still it's... stand by the fact that Stevie G should have left the Liverpool side, or at least not been a regular fixture and someone we hang on for the amount of years that he did. To be honest, and I, I am quite cut through. But then on the flip side of that, which kind of backs your argument a little bit, they've got to be pushed out. So if no one's behind Win Jones, if Alan, if no one's behind Alan Win Jones pushing him out of that team. You know, if the, if we can sit there and go, oh, fair enough, Adam Beard or whoever is like clear onset. Why is he not starting? Then you start getting a bit, you know, okay, maybe it's down to the coaching, maybe it's just a culture thing. But James Gaskell, mm, exactly. <laughs> like, and you start. That's when you start questioning it. But you know, can do you? Is that question answered in the way set up at the moment? Is yeah, there? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, yeah, like that. There's some good. Your boy Sheedy, he's coming through. They've no, got Callum Sheedy, Ludi, Zamet. They've got some really good, boy, exciting that, young players. The boy who played seven. What do you call him? Don't bother him. Um, it's really bad. I don't know him. But anyway, Alan Jones said he is a once-in-a-lifetime player. And Alan Wynn Jones has been around for at least two lifetimes. So <laughs> he, knows, he knows his stuff. Are they missing the VD? The VD's a big loss. Mm, the VD, they break either. Like Moriarty, like... They are. They were missing a few players, like, and it must be hard because it's it's suited it's suited um it Scotland. And what yeah. about Scotland progress? Three wins. Yeah. Out of, three wins out of five. Three wins out of five. You got to respect it. Yeah, the hundred percent. Like, like I said it before. Like Scotland and France are the two teams that just look really hopeful. They look really promising. They showed a lot of. It's kind of like Scotland have been through the valley of the shadow of death and they've come out the other side with a solid foundation, a solid back row, solid halfback partnership. Um, the future's bright. And new winger as well, um, big Demerva, big carry. Yeah, uh, big carry in his de- uh, debut, really rate him. And they've also got Jaco van de Vaught, where, uh, sorry for the pronunciation, the Edinburgh 10 is now qualified as well, so that's another yeah, good option. They, I think you'll basically come straight in. unless, yeah, you, unless the, problem, you the problem with chunky. Scotland is... Chunky Dunky? Chunky Dunk, we all want to see him back. Like apparently he's got wild hair, dude. My my thing is just the decisions making from Scotland. There still is it just like they're showing a lot of promise, but it just still feels like Scotland. You know what I mean? Like classic Scotland. Like in awful weather conditions on Saturday, in your you have a line out in your own twenty-two. Throw to the front. Mm-hmm. Secure the ball. Don't throw it like to the back of the line out. And then we'll score off it. Like, I just, silly, silly, silly. But I don't think we can maybe look at the game too much. It was kind of a dead rubber and both sides, you could tell it was kind of a dead rubber. I think, but... I think the new the news flash is Scotland fans be excited. You know, you may actually have a future for once. I like, I like um, that, Zach. Um, they got Wales at the right time and took their chance and never really looked like losing, if I'm honest. They were kind of in control the whole time. Yeah, and Wales fans, welcome to the the latter Joe Smith years. <laughs> Lucky Gatland's the Lions coach because we still get a load of boys in. Williams <laughs> is going to go up to him crying, begging for him back. Please. Please. Please come back. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next game, we have Italy against England. Um, um, I might go and say that that was the worst English performance probably in the last maybe 20 since, years since what? since <laughs> since before the world cup maybe when ireland beat them at for the grand slam in 2018 i think that's the worst english performance i've seen because 
They really struggled against Italy. And they got very lucky. If, if the Italians weren't that bad and had so many unforced errors, Italy could have been up two scores by half time and really made a game of it. But it's a real shame. And to be fair, got to shout out Ben Young's 100 caps, stepped up, was the man to kind of get, get the ship back on the right track. And once they were ahead, they were only going to put up the, the points they needed and fair play. Yeah, I read, I read a great article about the English players struggling to reach 100 caps. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, tell, tell Froby. <laughs> but, oh yeah, no. crap. Sorry, tough. That's yours. <laughs> Just browsing on the internet. Spotted it right there. <laughs> I agree with you, Telf, to some extent, but I feel like the, uh, like, for example, the Johnny Hill Simbin was quite influential. It came a bit of an awkward time. I feel like we could have gone into another gear when that happened, but then we kind of just went into a bit of, like, consolidate mode, which you shouldn't really be doing against Italy, even if you are down to 14. But um, I feel like that halted our scoring a little bit because then, obviously, as the second half started, we started quite quickly, and then Youngsy got his good old second try, and... uh, we kind of pushed on from there but Pledri's try was great I've got to admit that I know it's probably pretty poor defending from England but he's decent like he actually looks like a player he's weird like that that Italy back row is it's decent like it's a good that's a solid back row um like like Italy like at the same time like Italy have to kind of go through the kind of you know the the valley of death before they can kind of come out the other side at the moment you know, they have like 10, 20 year olds that need like a proper baptism of fire. Do um, you, do you, if the Autumn Nations Cup goes well for Georgia and Fiji or any tier two side, do you start to give them the opportunity to put them in? I think I, I do. It, my thing is, Georgia is definitely now at the standard where they should be, I think, in the seven nations, whatever you want to call it. But, Logistically, I don't know how that works because that's an extra game week. Um, it's an odd one uh, as well, isn't it? Yeah, it makes it odd then. So, do you bring both? Do you bring two in? But because my, you're my gonna have one team sitting out. Like, if, if it is relegation, right? Like, Italy get relegated, it's not fair on them in terms of their development. Like, when you're playing like Spain and Germany, like the difference between Georgia and Spain and Germany are it's quite different. Does Bringing in a team like Georgia help with Italy's development, or should they only be looking upwards? Should they be look? Should they be looking laterally as well? Twenty-seven like... losses in a row in the Six Nations now. Twenty-seven. Like, bad, and like they show moments of brilliance, but at the end of the day, they just can't hold it out for eighty minutes. They just don't. They just don't seem to have the fitness, the will, the it's, anything. It's a culture thing. Yeah, you know we we love our culture. It's a culture thing, because they've had cracking coaches over the years. Conor O'Shea, I still think, is one of the best, um, one of the best coaches in world rugby. Like easy, and he couldn't do anything. <laughs> uh, get Mark McCall out there; he could do something. Mark McCall do a shift without a salary cap. It's a great shout, Mark but... McCall doing Italy. You know, Humphreys and Neil Doak doing Georgia. That's not the love. <laughs> the the only reason. That I've ever been like, oh my word, Italy, you've offered something here. It was that time they did the glitch at the rocks? <laughs> <laughs> That's Conor O'Shea. That other than that, it's just not nothing. rugby. It's not rugby. Yeah, yeah. that was really funny, man. English but no, nah, back to England. Um, I'm just struggling to think, kind of, Harvey, who, in your opinion, stood out and put their name on the jersey now for the upcoming Alt Nations Cup? Because 
Ben Youngs. The need form. <laughs> it wasn't a doubt anyway, so. <laughs> they need form. They need form now to take into the Six Nations. And there was a few opportunities there, like young Ollie Lawrence came on, had yeah, a to put himself in the mix. Ollie Forley, there was a few debutants. And actually, it was Ellis Gange's first game in the Six Nations. Fact of the day. He's, okay. only, ever, he's only ever played in summer or November, I, so. My thing is, I just feel like England, like, Okay, they won, fair enough. And to be fair, a lot of the players have come out and kind of thrown caution to the fact that they've won. They're not the finished deal at the moment. I just feel like they lack a bit of identity. In the same way that Ireland kind of lack a bit of identity at the moment. The same way Wales lack a bit of identity. Um, I just don't... It just has, For me, it just England hasn't really clicked yet. Um, I don't know. I just feel like Ben Youngs needs to go. Dan Robson needs to come in. Simmons and Simmons... You know, Simmons know, and Simmons, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, what kind of I don't know. I feel like the game was one of those yeah, where we were all we were all looking at it at the start thinking, right, this is a game where we get it sealed even by say half time, and then we see what some of the boys on the bench can do. But I feel like it as the game went on, it turned into a bit more of right, let's actually come on, let's get our five points and let's and then we'll focus on developing these youngsters, but let's get the five points first. You see, like apart from Molly Thorley, no one really got in terms of players that you were looking to come on and press, no one really got like a tremendous amount of minutes. It was a bit of a just yeah. right. Let's keep the like Tom Dunn seventy ninth minute. You know, if we're if we're four or five tries up by half time, Jamie George is probably coming off sixty minutes in or something. You know, um, so yeah, some of them didn't quite probably have the opportunity. I feel like we're still under. So I I'll be looking more towards who can put their name towards the Six Nations next year through these Autumn Nations Cup rather than. Yeah who's put their name in this one-off game because it was a one-off game like maybe with the if we played the barbars it might have helped i don't you never know you know we, we look back at that but um <laughs> yeah it's one of those i don't know it's a bit, it's uh, a bit a very one-off i think in general the last weekend six nations was very weird you could see of england celebrations that didn't mean that much and i think they yeah. knew themselves that they hadn't played great yesterday so none of them rightly so they weren't singing and cheering because they're just having a bit of a laugh about it because they knew probably like, fair enough, we went out and beat Italy by 60 points and lifted the Six Nations, we deserved it, but it was kind of a bit like maybe Ireland lost it and then England won it, but England shouldn't even won it either. Like, the team, if we're going to move on to them now, that should have won the Six Nations was France. They played yes. the best rugby, 100%. they destroyed everyone, and then one stupid red card early on against Scotland cost them the Six Nations, and you're not going to win the Six Nations with 14 men for a game. Yeah, like it's um, it's just going back to the identity thing. Like, I know France will feel hard done by, you know, played the best rugby of the, of the championship without a doubt. But at the same time, like, for them, they're obviously looking home World Cup in 2023, which is also a joke, you know. Um, anyway, you know, justice for Ireland. But like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was coming. Such a joke. <laughs> anyway, like, France, France have identity again. You know, France, France are playing good rugby. They have good young talent. You're gonna be there for a very long time. They're gonna be there beyond 2023. Um, like I, I wouldn't be worried. If anything, it's a good learning curve to kind of come up short. Probably didn't want to grand slam straight away, but they let you. Sh- they they should have won they the should, slam. They sh- they should have. But it's it's a learning curve. You know, you'd rather learn this now um, and go on and you know win the grand slam in a couple of months. Or when, like, when home world they go, do you think they go in as the favourites in I, I honestly in think they do unless um, I don't know unless 
England kind of have a massive kind of squad overhaul and kind of bit of fresh blood. And that's some of those boys we were talking about put their hands up. I think yeah. Dupont and Antemak are only going to get better. Oh, and that is scary if you're not a France fan, if you're not from France. Most talented halfbacks in world rugby. 100%. Yeah, that partnership is going to be... Maybe Smith and, Smith and Moanga maybe edges them just on a, a kind of experience, but yeah, like I would I would say that I don't know. Like I feel like I had a point there and I just lost it. <laughs> but I I, just, I don't know. I just feel like with France, um, just there is so much more to come from them. Some of the like the fast the 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 thing as well is with France is they were playing such like an open game. But it was like it was in control. Yes. Like they were knocking yes. off these, like knocking off these kind of hospital pass offloads, and then the next guy would do it, and then the next guy would do it, and then the next guy would do it. And it's like, when are you going to lose the ball here? Who's dropping it? And it just it's wouldn't fast. happen. It's fast as yeah. quick rugby. I remember my point. France in a couple of years will probably be the only team in world rugby to take on the All Blacks. Mm. Yeah. And take on take on them at their own game. Yeah. yeah I, I, I make sure to keep an eye on the All Blacks just to make sure they don't get out of sight and they're going that way of getting out of sight. They look unbelievable at the minute in terms of their depth and might of young players scary. they have. Like just scary. quickly t- we probably don't have time, but quickly touching on that last game against Australia, like it was <laughs> a walk in the park and Jordy Barrett plays right wing but literally is everywhere somehow. And then, oh, just like they have like four tens on the pitch at any one time. Oh, just Malanga's like... chip, chip, and then Bowden, and then uh, it's just back to Malanga. It's, nice. it's just brilliant. They're honestly, as you the said, Zach, but it's in France in 2023. So, are we going to say it right now in three years and we're going to play this clip? <laughs> France win the World Cup in 2023. Yes or no? Yes. I'm genuinely going to say it. Yeah. I'm going to back it. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to look cool when it happens. As long as they don't get any red cards, which is the two things yeah, that yeah, held yeah. them back in the two major tournaments that have just gone. As long as they don't do that Experience, and they keep the discipline man. on. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. They yeah. would have gave South Africa a game in that semi-final more than Wales did. Well, because they would have played against South Africa, whereas the Wales and South Africa just kicked to each other. Yeah. But, and, like, and then in terms of Ireland, I maybe want to, you know, not spend too much time, but it's, just, it's a lack of identity, you know. It's just Andy Farrell. Like, if it's a pro, I understand it's a process, it's a process for Wales with William Pivak, it's going to be a process with England, but and Italy, but it's just there lacks identity. I just feel like there needs to be, and like you can see what he's trying to do, and fair enough, but. I just, I don't know, like, it's just, it's just not clicking yet. And I'm really glad we didn't win. Like, honestly, like, hand on heart, I'm really glad we didn't win. But, as you said, if we did win, it would have kind of kid us on. But I still think they played all right. They scored, they did, they, they did. scored 20 points. Ideally, if that was a Six Nations game, probably would have been annoyed they came away if nothing. But we're very close to coming away with a, a losing bonus point, which would have been good if it was, like, the first round of the Six Nations. Yeah. Like it's it, they show a lot of promise. Like CJ Stander, I think he's been he's been fantastic. Um, I think he was he was shortlisted for Six Nations player of the player of the tournament. Um, Stockdale, like he's looking all right. Hugo Keenan is he's decent. Like I like big fan, big fan. But just yeah, they just it just needs time to click, you know. And just if they did win, they would have kind of had this false expectation, false sense of reality of oh we're the best team in the Northern Hemisphere. Just pile of rubbish. 
Um, just in terms of adding to your point there, um, just touching on the Pro 14 from the weekend. Monster got a good win against the Dragons, and Craig Casey again was the standout player. So that's mm. that's like two or three games now he's put together for Monster, where he's been the best player on the pitch. <sighs> are we getting to, to this? That's what I mean. Are we getting Sorry. to the stage now that just if Mo- if involved. Ireland will continue to pick Murray and he goes back to Monster and he doesn't get picked at Monster, then I think that's the way to. It's 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 completely illogical. Like, I just I think if you're Andy Farrell. Connor Murray and Johnny Sexton, are they really in your World Cup plans? What like, honestly, I just yeah. don't know. I'm I'm usually very harsh on Sexton, and to be fair to him, he has had the odd moment of okay, okay, Sexton's still here. Sexton's still, you know, he he, he lets you know. Yeah. But I be honest, I've seen nothing from Murray. It's nothing. I and like what, like, what have you yeah, what have you I'm seen that's not just, like, you know, seven out of ten Connor Murray? What have you seen? I don't know we we hate to bring up the same guy over and over again, but watching Ulster week in week out, John Cooney's made eleven line breaks in Pro 14 <laughs> in four games. He's made he's eleven a line baller. breaks. Four he's games. A four that, games. That, that is kind breaks. of that is kind of what you need. You just need that kind of mixing up. It just looks like Murray gets the ball every time. It's just right, where are you, Sexton? Decent. There you go. And it's just like it's just, it's that or a box kick. It's nothing else. It just there's nothing you know. There's no originality going on there. It looks like he's yeah. kind of just stagnated. Like, oh, the nine yeah, jersey's mine. It is what it is. Yeah, like he has. I just feel like they can. They still have their moments of brilliance, Sexton and Murray. But I'm just, it's gonna get less and less as the years go on, and it's just you're better off just biting the bullet now. I think it's time for fresh blood, um, going into next year's Six Nations. New captain, James Ryan. He's my man, um, and just build for 2023. This is it's as simple as that. And yeah. Ireland should kind of hit the round running come France 2023. I honestly, as well, in terms of the pro, more Pro 14 action, I watched the Leinster-Glasgow game and Harry Byrne, a young 21-year-old at 10, just controlling the game. Honestly, can do everything Ross Byrne can do and attack. So I literally do think, and I called it when I watched them at under-20s, Craig Casey and Harry Byrne, they're the... Obviously, they grew up playing Junior Ireland together. Like They are the future Ireland halfback, and I know a lot of pressure has yeah. been put on them, but they both seem to have the ball. And do. I don't, the time. Do you integrate them, or do you literally just throw them in? Because they both don't even start for the provinces. But I would I would integrate like um, over the like, Autumn Nations Cup. Why not? You know what I mean? Like It's a great time to integrate. I think one um, of the Burns have got to start playing regularly, to be honest. Yeah, one of the 100%. Casey and Burn, whatever Burn you want, need to be starting for the autumn in the autumn internationals next year. I think, I think though, is... this Autumn Nations Cup, in terms of that, I think that's going to be like four or five weeks. They're just going to be playing for the provinces, so they're going to be putting together six or seven games in a row, which is exactly what they need. And then yeah, come the next six, yeah. the next six nations, that's when they need capped. It's true. Yeah. I'm not bringing in Billy Burns and stuff like that like they did for the last squad. They nah. actually going for these young players because as you said, Harvey, like you need players forcing them out and right now, Craig Casey is doing that. He is forcing Murray out and uh, yeah, like, he's there. He's there. You need to catch these players as well when they are on that like kind of hot streak because they mm. are, because you've you got to remember like these players when they're at that age, they're quite fragile in a way and I feel like one of the main players you did it with was Stockdale. 
like Stockdale was on a hot streak. He got straight into the, England, into the Island setup and then just went bam, strength to strength to strength to strength. He stagnated a little bit now, but you can't say that that was a bad move sticking him in the Island squad as soon as they did. Mm. And like, why? Like, why not? I know, I know, John Sexton, Johnny Sexton, and Conor Murray are obviously like pivotal parts of the team, and it's a pivotal role in the team. So you can't exactly experiment as much as probably you would with like a winger, but. Still, just do it. Just like it's the Autumn Nations Cup. Who cares? Just do it. Play in Georgia. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, just roll a die, man. Have a bit of crack. Stick, stick Ross Byrne on. Stick Harry Byrne on. Stick whoever you want on. Goes out there, gets 100% kicks, gets himself a nice little few cross fields, get himself a nice, you know, a little bit of playmaking. And then you're thinking, oh, decent. We've got ourselves a 10 here. And he's played an international game for you. I could man, name you. He's to make a choice. Yeah, I could name you four or five players that are 22 or under playing. For Ulster, Leinster, Munster at the minute, who are doing a better job than I've seen from any international player. I know the step up is massive, but they deserve yeah. the chance. Even taken from an Ulster perspective, Stuart Moore played very well against um, Cardiff Blues. Very solid game. Got an intercept and sent a grubber through, which completely changed the momentum of the game. He went off 60 minutes and Luke Marshall came on. And Luke Marshall honestly offered nothing. And I just feel now's the time for Ulster just to invest in these two under yeah, like they, they seem, 21, they seem 22 year olds. Be... And Ireland need to do the same. Yep. Like yeah, with, with Ireland as well. Yeah. With Ireland as well. Like I'm looking at the first 15 here and just like they have, we, we were calling out when at the end of the Schmidt era of just right, okay, just refresh the squad. And it's like Farrell's refresh parts of it. Like you've got Keenan in there, obviously, Caelan Doris, Will Connors, who all of those players I've just mentioned have played really well. So, like, if you're going to mix it about with these guys, Porter in there, exactly. And even if you are going to say experience, you know, we need a level of experience, you've still got Kean Healy in there. James Ryan, he might be young, but he is experienced. Like, he's always going to give you a performance. Why not just mix it up? You've got Henshaw in there as experience as well. Why not just mix it up and chuck Sexton and Murray out there? Just, yeah. just do it. Like, if you're going to do it the rest of the side and it hasn't failed for you, just do it. Like, just take the jump, take the risk. The only way you're going to win and stuff is by making taking risks. The minute these, the minute these young players for the provinces are starting to show that they have talent, they need to start getting integrated, or they get the 24, 25, and then it's too late, and they're just Kieran Marmions, just just bog standard international players that don't ever really play. Yep, the time is now. Like, if you're building for 2023, if you're building for even beyond that. Like, what are you building yeah, for? You're building for the World Cup and World yeah, Cup semi-final. Like, but, but I'm just like, Ireland need a semi-final. Andy Farrell has come in and he wants to stamp his own philosophy. So why not do it with players who are going to be in their prime come the time of the World Cup? I just don't. I just don't. Oh, Relating it back to yeah. culture, Zach. Do you feel these young players, and it's not a coincidence that the ones that we've talked about today were all in the same under-20s team that won the slam. Um, and they were going to win another slam if they didn't get cancelled last year. So that was two Irish slams in a row and you haven't seen any of those players. I know Ryan Baird was about to get capped and got injured, but you've got Baird, Byrne, Murr, Casey. They're all in the same team and they're all doing well. It's just the, the annoying thing is what is the balance between trying to get them to play week in, week out for the provinces, plus trying to get them into international camps. Because if they're coming into international camps, then they're not getting that yeah. continuity playing for their province. So maybe Andy Farrell is looking to 2023 and 
He just wants the, all these young players to play week in, week out, and then hopefully by February or the February after, he starts bringing them in. But then is it too late? Do you need a full three years? Because I think culture-wise... I, I, I think it needs to start culture-wise. Like, it needs to be kind of... Because these players don't have a, oh, I've bottled it in a World Cup. Mm. They've never been to a World Cup. So don't I mean, bring in they... Sexton and all who have a mental block against a quarterfinal. I, like, you just freeze, can't play. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I'm just, yeah. So we're yeah, saying, just, yeah, bring in players who've got swagger, confidence, do not care who they're playing because all they've ever done since they've started playing professional rugby is win. That's who you need. You just, and you want to relate it to culture. Not, There's your winning not, culture. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's actually, like I think it is transferable. I think, yeah, you might say, oh, yeah, but they haven't won in a quarterfinal of the World Cup. If you're winning every week for your, if you're winning every week for Leinster, and by then they probably would have won themselves Champions Cup, three Pro 14s. Let's be honest, and yeah. probably a hell of a load of other stuff. Just, just chuck them in, like chuck them in. Harry Byrne hasn't lost a professional game. Exactly, like, exactly. Like, but like, look at like, like James Ryan is the perfect example. You know, yeah. like he didn't lose a game for absolutely ages, and look at him now. Like, and just like that goes back to your earlier point. Um, Harvey about like Stockdale and stuff. I just feel like we're not calling for a complete revamp of the back line. Mm. You know I mean, Hugo Keenan is now in there. Conway is in there. Stockdale is in there. And you've also got to throw in Keith Earls, who's injured. And, and James also, Lowe. And, and James, James Lowe, yeah. And James Lowe. And James Lowe, yes. But you, the centre partnership. good old ringer. In the centre the partnership. Ringrose, um, Henshaw, Van Leake, Stuart McCluskey. What? Like... <laughs> Like you know that hey, we're team. not we're not we're not asking for a revamp. Even though even when you go into the pack and maybe we want to add maybe a few additions there, we're not asking for a revamp. We're asking for max what three or four positions, maybe even two positions, nine and ten, which mm. are kind of perfect. So nine for me, it's nine and ten, and then um Ryan Baird coming into the second row, and that's it. That's all I want, yeah. and, and then I feel that's three. Can... That's three players. That's all. Like that's that's a fifth of the squad. That's mm. all I'm asking for, man. Uh, the back line. That's what I mean. Like, the the back row has been revamped in a way. Like yeah. Peter Romani has finally found himself as a super sub, which is probably the best thing he can be a finisher. Yeah. You want to quote Eddie Jones? But that back like, that back row is good. I like that back row a lot. Back row is solid. And it's got a good balance. It's got a cracking balance. It's a good front but, row. Good good center partnership. Like I just, it's just. But just I don't, I don't think the reason Aaron lost is because of sex. Then, Murray. No, 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 no. If you're listening, if you're listening, like, Johnny and Connor, I don't mean it like that. I'm just meaning, we're looking, we're looking for progress, and I haven't seen progress we're down the line. Basically, we're, we're also we're also looking across on the other side of the pitch and seeing two early 20-year-olds absolutely yes. destroy you who are yeah. going to become world beaters. Like, and they're early 20-year-olds and got chucked in as early 20-year-olds. It's, it's, no, it's no disrespect. You know what I mean? Like, Johnny Sexton has been one of the most influential players for his country this decade. You know, for what he's done, how he came in, how he filled Rowan Nogara's vacuum and made it his own. Um, same with Conor Murray and Peter Stringer. But it's just, it's time now when you got to acknowledge the fact that you're on top. It's kind of what you're going back to earlier, Harvey. You're on top, and now it's time to just get out. you got to get your jaw yeah. If you want to relate it to something that we've, me and Telf have been studying in our university studies, and you want to relate it to psychological decision-making, it is a sunk cost. The last 10 years, whatever you've done, it's a sunk cost. It doesn't have an effect. If you're bringing in these young boys or you're playing a refreshed team or you're playing against different players who have never played against you in your glory days 10 years ago or five years ago, it's a sunk cost. It has no relevance to right now. 
it doesn't. France, France were in the same position a few years ago with kind yeah. of a bang average team with Maxi Medar and <laughs> Johan Duje and Para and Tranduk. <laughs> exactly. And they flogged them six nations in, six nations out, and won like two or three games. And then they went, look, this is a, there's a really unbelievable 20s team that won another 20s championship. We're going to bring them, try and bring as many as we can of them in and integrate them into the squad as soon as possible for the next World Cup. And now I look at them. They're knocking on the door of a Grand Slam. And I know Ireland won the Grand Slam in 2018, but they're far, far off it for now. And as an Irish fan, you need, to be, you need to be looking at slams. Like, that's yeah. minimum. Oh. But, yeah. Like, it's just, thank you for your service. But, like, and I'm thinking long-term here. I'm thinking it's all about the future at the moment. In, 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 in a season as well, in a season of the Ireland squad and its history, this season right now is... It's reformation. You're reforming who you are, the identity of the squad, the philosophy of how they're meant to play. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's there's no better time to bring in three max players. I like I like how we've discussed that. There, we didn't just. I know my good friend Christy. Um, I like a debate with him because he's just so negative in terms of just rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. He doesn't come with any solutions. And I feel today we've tried to bring solutions. It's yeah. not just Stockdale's insert the bad word, which, <laughs> which which you hear so much of. It's just, how could we improve this? Bring James Lowe in, maybe put Stockdale back on the wing where he's more comfortable. It's all about solutions. It's not about drilling teams. And I feel youth at 9 and 10 and in the second row, that's the way forward for Ireland. And maybe Farrell's doing it, but he needs to hurry up because they need to be playing at least two years of international rugby before the World Cup comes around. Yep. And Andy, I know you'll be listening. Um, hope you're well. But, you know, <laughs> you have two months. Another one. Um, just just if we want to move on then to some of the other rugby. Mike Laurie's act. Did you see his try? I knew Stacey. this one was coming. Mike Laurie, like, why are we not giving him a wee shout out? You know, maybe he's maybe he is Ireland's solution to the fifteen. Who stalked it back to the wing? Bombs <laughs> for days. Owen Farrell will be looking at that, just going bombs, bombs. Go on, Johnny, go bully him. Hey, leave him alone. I think Mike's a bit small, but like I'm talking that type of player who's burst on, looks confident, has no like just wants to play. Whereas like Sexton Murray, even Keane Healy to an extent, but obviously played well. Sorry, into his 100th cap. Obviously, didn't go the way Ben Youngs went, but he's still got to acknowledge it. Um, yeah, fair play to him. But like, they're just, they're just, they're just getting old. You know what I mean? Like, they've got, they've got other commitments. You got family. You know what I mean? Like, you got Mike Laurie. You know, he's young. He's kind of full of energy, full of desire to play and get better. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, um, but no, um, I did say a try. Because these players just want, like, it means everything to play for Ireland, where Sexton, he's played now, like, 93, 92, 93 times, so it's I, not... To be fair, fair, I don't know about that. Like, I don't I don't question the heart and desire. But when you're, go, when you're getting subbed off and you're going on a big strop and you're the captain of your country... Mm-hmm. And there's eight points in it. Twenty minutes to go. But, that, but that's his. That's his personality. You know what I mean? Like he's. That we laugh sort of... at. We yeah, laugh he's... at Owen Farrell just to relate it to uh, obviously the better side. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we related to Andy. Fa- we related to Owen Farrell, but the videos of I can't even remember what they're called anymore. Tell if you'll know what they're called. The YouTube series that um, England rugby do. Um, uh, yeah. We love we love the Owen Farrell 
chats for the camera, the little team talks. But you would not see Sexton doing that. I'm sorry, you wouldn't. You'd get a bad tackle in the warm up in the in the little practice game and be off whinging to the physio or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't There's know. a balance between leaders, so I guess it's about an integration. But the point we're trying to make is integrate now. Yeah. And we're yes. seeing these great young players. I want to see yes. some of them in the Salt Nations Cup. I want to see them yes. in the Six Nations. I want to see them next. I want to keep seeing them now. Yes. And a team that we're just going to quickly mention that did the complete opposite way, didn't integrate young players, just threw together this European superstar of a team. South Africa won the World Cup. Real weird way of doing it. I would love a stat to see how many times that South African team played together before the World Cup, like just them all together. Because it was very yeah. put together. They lost against Italy a year before the World Cup. That shows it all. Um, <laughs> and they've now knowledge, committed yeah. like, they've now committed to the rugby championship until 2030. That's, that's, that's a long... I, I, so either like the rumours of kind of, you know, the South Africa kind of more branching out towards the European kind of rugby scene. Either they were rumours or there's some very quick turnarounds for some very interesting reasons. Mm. Um, yeah. Dollar probably being one of them. Like, but then again, like, there's not a lot of Dollar in the rugby championship. There'll be a lot more than all. I think that's there's a long time. Yeah. It's ten years. Ten years. Like that's all. That's, that's a an big... actual contract, like contractual obligation. That is ridiculous. They I, need I don't them understand though. why you'd want to. I know you want to be there because you're playing New Zealand and Australia, but just like. Man, all the like the time zone changes and everything, like ah, it's brutal. They need to put, put rugby though. ten years ago. Yeah, put to put rugby ten years back. Yeah, what was rugby point. like? Yeah, like and put that again. You know, and then jump that forward. <laughs> Dan Parks playing for Scotland. <laughs> Missing the drop kick against Argentina in the twenty eleven World Cup in front of the posts. Ah, Dan Parks. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting from South Africa. It's a very interesting move. Um, it's from the South Africa Rugby Union. Um, yeah, like I, yeah, it's it's very it's very intriguing. Um, I, I guess for their sake, you know, they get to play New Zealand all the time. But how are their players gonna be playing in the Pro 14 every week, and then they're gonna be going off I the rugby championship, the and then yeah, they're gonna the be gone. F- they're gonna be gone for like two months, and they're not gonna be competing. We're going to yeah, be jumping sudden, between all continents of the world at this moment. We need to get thing, some teams like, is, like, if you ever watch the New Zealand All or Nothing documentary, you know, like, the, the, the time zone craziness that they have to go through between, like, going to South Africa, going to Argentina, having to send half the squad straight to South Africa to kind of get ready. Like, it's just... It's brutal. It's a brutal tournament. Um, interesting though, because I do feel now that we've watched New Zealand hammer Australia every week. Like no one wants to see that every week. Like you need South Africa in that tournament. New Zealand needs South Africa. I know New Zealand think they need no one, but they definitely need South Africa because Argentina and Australia at the moment aren't good enough preparation before a World Cup. No. And you're. The world champions, like, they're going to be in demand. They've got Lions Tour. They've got everything coming up. So they should be the people in demand. Um, I guess then, moving on to the last bit of news, another team which is heavily in demand. Saracens, few rumours. Very early rumours, but it sounds like if the championship can't go ahead because of COVID reasons, I know myself, my, my own league has now been officially abandoned for the season. Zero games played. And if that happens to the championship, then they're going to say that Saracens are going to just come up and it's going to be a 14 league 
Premiership with potentially Ealing as well coming up and buying their way into the Premiership and then ring fencing it. See, we were talking about this before the pod, but I take I take the Lawrence Delalio approach to the restructuring of the English league system, where I do think there needs to be ring fencing. However, don't ring fence the Premiership, ring fence the Championship. You have enough depth there, so you might as well use it. Now, in terms of how you figure out how to ring fence the championship, fair enough. I don't know how you go about that. Like, uh, because a lot of the bottom sides of the championship are just they're semi pros at the end of the day, they're just part time boys playing rugby. Um, but there needs to be ring fence, and it just I think it has to be the championship. I don't think it should be the premiership. Um, because strength and depth, you know, what I mean, like if if you if you make a concrete decision where okay, we're gonna commit to these 20 teams and you strengthen every single one of those 20 teams and they're spread out throughout the country and then teams below that and the League 1, the League 2s, et cetera, et cetera, can then bolster those teams if that makes sense with it and stuff like that. I just feel like English rugby as a whole benefits a lot more. I don't know what you think, Harvey, um, coming from an Englishman. Yeah, um, it's one of those because you want to look at it from like a welfare point of view and from a welfare point of view, I think you can, I agree with you in the sense that they should be, I guess pushed as much as they can championship sides because they, you can tell they are on the verge of like collapse. You know, if yeah. this ring fence happens, who knows what's going to happen to the teams in the championship. Whereas, but then from a, like a competitive standpoint and, you know, progressing the top tier and everything like that, I feel like the premiership has to be ring fence, but I'm so on the fence with it because then in my head, I'm thinking, well, if we ring fence the Literally. premiership, then yeah. But then you're thinking if we, <laughs> I like the joke, um, but then if you ring fence the premiership, you you end up just creating bottom feeders of the premiership, which we don't want. Yeah. Because, you know, Ealing yeah. probably would be that, you know, London Irish, Tigers at the moment. There's a couple of teams that could take that spot. Um, oh, and Tigers need relegated. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. You need that threat to be there. You need yeah, that threat to be you there. Do. You need the threat to be there. Provides excitement in the league as well. And, we're, and we, should also, we should also be looking to bridge the gap between the two leagues rather than separate them but, which but is, then yeah which is why you need to ring fence but then it's kind of but then i'm in that mind of well okay we need to do that but then what happens to say like the bottom six eight teams of the championship that literally have just got absolutely no chance of ever becoming anything more than what they are without some serious third party input well then, well then you know what maybe, i mean it's just but i think this is where the premiership itself i don't i can't remember like the parent company it's like cvc or something like that I think they need to sit down and like figure. I think long term for them, I think it's more beneficial just from a business plan where they, the championship and premiership are both ring fenced. I think the bottom sides, your Bedfords and stuff like that, um, who are kind of your Rotherhams, who are kind of, I don't even know if Rotherham are still in it, um, who are kind of like hanging on by a thread. I think they should be given the choice uh, because I think there'll be genuinely clubs who'll just be like, actually, we literally can't do this. But at the same time, there should be support there. Um, like in an ideal world, if I could just paint a pit, if I could just like paint the league as I wanted it to be, and there was like unlimited money and we could do whatever we wanted, I would just create two conferences out of the championship and the premiership teams. And I would just give the financial security to I would give the financial security to everyone and just make this huge conference or i would just back the whole championship give them whatever bailout money they needed to carry on for the next however many years and try and just build a 
build a bit of a bridge between both of them. Yeah, just I think I think it would help. It would naturally progress if there was just more exposure to the championship. But it's yeah. just unfortunate that it's just not like there's no exposure because there's no interest. There's no demand for it. And think, if there was a demand, we would see an I, elevation I would, in the ability. I think there, yeah, I think there would be an interest. I think there's potential. Like, honestly, ring fans, the Premiership, Championship, all of a sudden BT Sport are showing Championship games. Yeah. Um, you know, Monday Night Rugby becomes the kind of Championship night. Like, yeah. there, I think that there is real potential for the whole of English r- rugby and at, at a domestic level to really benefit. Um, but I think it involves strength and depth. And you gotta say, I know Pro 14's got a good way to go, but you gotta say, fair play, Pro 14, that they're constantly trying to innovate, trying to push on. They changed it from the league to, to conferences. They're trying to get South African teams in. They've now got Monday Night Rugby. They're trying to evolve, and I just hope the Premiership aren't kind of up themselves and being like, we've, we've got the best league in the world, but like the Premier League, yeah. being like, we've got the best team, we've got the best league in the world, we don't need to change it. Because mm-hmm. you want to see stories like Exeter and Bristol with Doncaster yeah, and Cornish it. Pirate. Imagine Cornish Pirates in 10 years win the Champions Cup. That happened with Exeter 10 years we ago. Need, you need those dreams. Well. All a of a sudden, yeah, it just needs, yeah, I think. A big 60,000 seater stadium down in Devon. That's what I mean. I think that local, all just naturally... Yeah. <laughs> I think that all naturally yeah. just comes to would come to fruition if there was just more exposure in the league. I feel like the only way you can become a big team right now is if you've just got a multi-million out there who's bored and thinks, you know, well, Cornish Pirates look decent in the Champions Cup and then just sticks a channel of money in them. <laughs> um, I think that's the only way it works at the moment. You're basically just, you're banking on a billionaire, but... Or yeah. you're banking on having another Gareth Steenson to bring you up. Oh, yeah. And then, and, then the, and then the rest is history. But we'll end it there, boys, this week. Yes. Good, good chat, good pod. Fascinating debates as always, and yeah, it's a shame if not no big rugby this weekend. But I'm sure we'll be back with some um, some good some good chat next week. Um, I'm looking forward to soon doing our sixth month um, preview of our Lions teams that we picked back in the summer. Ooh, exciting! I'm sure there'll be some laughing at some of the names that are down there, <laughs> like Joey yeah. like Joey Carberry starting the tests. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Remember to like and subscribe. Um, We'll catch you next time. Cheers, boys. Thank you, sir. Ciao.